You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network. And we are finally here welcoming you back to talk more movies. It's been a little while. It's definitely been a while since we discussed new movies. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, By popular demand... And we mean by popular demand, at least one person requested this episode this past week. Uh, so we are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, the first big movie of the summer. Maybe the biggest movie of the summer by the time this summer is over. Maybe the biggest movie of the year. Uh, probably not. There's still a Star Wars and Justice League movie to come. But for now, Guardians of the Galaxy is the big thing. And we are a week late on this as uh, myself and my co-host have other things that occupy our time. Um, I shouldn't really call you a co-host, you're more like a guest, so also back by popular demand, (laughs) we welcome here uh, someone who I should not be saying I'm welcoming back because she kind of lives in this apartment with me uh, 24-7. Jamie, thanks for coming back to the Oz Network by popular demand. Thanks for having me. I'm not having you, it's all the people who requested you after hearing our Logan episode where you critiqued uh, the chest hair of old men. Uh, <laughs> well, you see, you are technically stuck having me for the rest of your life. So, yes. yeah, you're stuck. You are stuck with me. That's yeah. a better word. In case people are listening to this for the first time and they don't know, uh, Jamie is my wife that frequently sneezes in the background on episodes. Uh, or and I love cheese. And she loves cheese. So that's what she's known for on these shows. Um, our baby, who's one year old, who turned one year old last weekend... Hence the reason we didn't cover Guardians of the Galaxy last weekend. Uh, He's known for crying in the background, and we're hoping that he doesn't cry in this episode. Uh, But let's just jump right into it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Before we even get into the whole history and everything, I think one thing needs to be set up. And that's if you've read other reviews for Guardians of the Galaxy, there's one common thing. And that's that there's very little difference from the first one to this one. And I'm not saying this is like... There was a lot of criticism for The Hangover when it came out of The Hangover sequel, saying it's the exact same movie from the first one. That's not where I'm going with this. Uh, More so, I think the majority of the reviews are saying, you know, it's not a better movie. It's not necessarily a worse movie. It's just kind of more of the same. And uh, in order to understand anybody's opinion on this, whether you like it, love it, hate it, despise it, I think you kind of have to know where you're coming from, your opinions on the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which of course was, uh, what, two, three years ago already? Three years ago? So, Jamie, if you want to go first, uh, what are your feelings on Guardians of the Galaxy 1 so that people can understand your feelings on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Well, I really love the first one, and uh, I think that you had it bang on when you said that the second one, it wasn't that it was worse or really even that much better, uh, but it was about the same for me on on par. Uh, I felt like there were some uh, parts in this movie that I got kind of lost at, but you helped me to understand. And once I actually kind of understood certain things that were happening, it definitely uh, made it cooler to to see. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you have ranked the first Guardians of the Galaxy for your interest in it? I'm learning to be a little bit more picky with starting to have grown up movie taste and not just watching cartoons. <laughs> so I probably would say that I, I'm going to rate it as like a lucky rating and, and do a 7.7 Okay, um, out of 10. See, this is what's interesting, and this will give people even a little bit more of a context. And I'm the huge comic book fan here. Uh, you, you're more into like the Japanese stuff. Um, 
what do you even call that? Japanese comic books. Japanese anime, manga, yeah. all of that. Yeah. You're more into that stuff, but as far as like DC Marvel, that's my thing. Which, by the way, I'm still waiting for my Sailor Moon episode. Yeah, well, that that's still to come. Uh, people who... Uh, <laughs> We thank everybody who submitted their suggestions for random episode rewatches, and we thank Jamie for chiming in at the last minute with Sailor Moon episodes without telling me. A very specific episode. A specific episode. That will still be to come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the big DC Marvel fan, and I've dragged you to many of these movies. And Guardians of the Galaxy was one of the ones I think you had a mild interest in when it first came out. Uh, all the other Marvel movies we see are DC movies. I seem to walk out being like, that was awesome, and you're like, eh, it was okay. Uh, even The Winter Soldier, which... I think is pretty much like uh, the, uh, I guess you would compare it to like the, the Empire Strikes Back for comic movies. I mean, it is the sequel that everybody says is not only the greatest sequel, but maybe the greatest movie of its entire genre. Even The Winter Soldier, you were like, eh, it was okay. The first Guardians of the Galaxy, we went and saw opening weekend, and you walked out of it really loving it, I think. And I walked out of it being... Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I didn't mind it. I wasn't crazy, crazy about it the way other people are. In some areas, I think I appreciate it a little bit more now three years later. But in other areas, we watched that recently uh, within probably the last three weeks or so. And in some areas, I'm like, yeah, I don't think it ages as well as I thought it would. You know, some of these things aren't as good as I thought they were even three years ago, different elements of the movie. So going into it from there... I think you were probably a slightly bigger fan of the first Guardians of the Galaxy, despite not being into Marvel movies. Um, and uh, I kind of went into this more, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. You probably were more excited going into this. So having set up where we're coming from, from Guardians of the Galaxy 1, um, we won't go into full ratings or anything. You said, you know, it's a little bit more of the same. Quick, without any spoilers or anything like that, we should, again, establish if you haven't read the episode title. There's not really going to be spoilers in this, but what were some of your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Well, I just want to preface this next thing that I'm going to say by saying, you know, I may seem predictable, but I'm really not. On the last episode that we kind of shared, I told you that I like the movie. Uh, well, I was excited for the movie because it had, uh, you know, some eye candy. You're that, talking about Logan, right? Yes, the last one we Logan. Covered. Okay. Yes, I should reference that for anybody that hasn't heard it. Um... But uh, it's not all about that, because even with uh, Captain America, you know, uh, that should be just my type. You know, uh, dark hair uh, or blonde, blonde. whatever. I'd like dark blonde. <laughs> you, <with> hair? <laughs> You're like, exactly my type. Dark hair or blonde or just, red. Just not balding. Well, except for Patrick Stewart, apparently. <laughs> oh, okay. But there's, there's some men, though, that, okay, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but there's some men that, that it doesn't matter how old they are, how wrinkly, any part of their body is that they're just how have you gone this? we are five ep minutes into this episode and we're already on man wrinkles okay but like okay uh, Patrick Swayze was one I know he's dead <laughs> okay no but I seriously back by I, popular I, demand I had such a big crush okay and uh, Patrick Stewart and then also um, uh, the best James Bond Sean Connery. Okay. Okay, anyways. I thought you were going to say Pierce Brosnan, but okay. okay. <laughs> this is a woman rabbit trail, but now I'm going to get back to what I was saying. So with uh, Captain America should be just my type too, because blue eyes, I love blue or green eyes. But I don't know, like, just something very average about the movies, not crazy about them. Um, and in this movie, it has someone that is definitely up there too for me uh, on the cuteness scale, uh, Chris Pratt. Uh, I think he's hilarious. Uh, I first watched him in uh, Parks and Recreation, and he definitely was not 
in shape then, and I thought <laughs> I thought he was cute. But as soon as I saw him take his shirt off in the, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I was like, oh, yeah. I really like this guy. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go into a bit of detail here. Um, one of the reasons I was excited about Guardians of the Galaxy in the first place, most people weren't familiar with Chris Pratt, or at least weren't fans of his beforehand. One of the things that made me most excited about was that I love Chris Pratt. I mean, we started watching Parks and Recreation a couple of years ago, and he was by far my favorite. And you were more interested in other characters. You were more interested in other actors. Dare I say, Ron Swanson on the show may have been higher on your list for Man Candy or whatever you call it. But having said that, you're like, eh, not really interested in this guy. When he was chubby and not very tanned and kind of sloppy on Parks and Recreation... Shirt comes off in Guardians of the Galaxy, and suddenly Chris Pratt is your new okay. favorite actor. Okay, but you know what, though? I go back now, and I watch Parks and Rec, and I see him, chubby, out of shape, being completely the goof that he is. Amazing show, my favorite. And I can appreciate him and like him for everything that he is in the show and still think that he's cute and be like, yeah, that's that's eye candy still. Right. So we're now... Eight minutes in, <laughs> we've still yet to hear what you think of the movie, other than Chris Pratt with his shirt off. How many Which, times by the way, have... it does, th- this, we won't consider this a spoiler, it does come off again. How many times have I said eye candy in this episode? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but anyways, so, th- this, uh, this episode, um... This episode? This volume, I guess they're calling it this time? Yeah, not episode two, volume two. Um, I, I, I really, uh, had some moments in it that I liked a lot. I, I think that, um... Uh, what is that, Drax? Yeah. Uh, that he was really good in this movie, too. I, I felt like he wasn't as dull, so that was definitely an improvement. Um, my favorite character, definitely, though, is still uh, Rocket, the raccoon. Yeah. He's and not a raccoon! What? Well, as he says many times, you'll you know, correct anybody in the movie if you haven't seen the first two. Don't ever call him a raccoon. Well, and he's also voiced by someone who's very high okay, in here, my eye candy yeah, We're going to go through this again. Even and, he, and he has a great voice. Even so. if he's furry with a snout, the voice can still do it. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So we kind of got a little bit of an opinion from Jamie there on, <laughs> on Bradley Cooper's voice and Chris Pratt's abs. Um <laughs> My opinion, um, as I said, I went into this not as big of a fan of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I, I enjoyed the movie. But if I'm comparing the Marvel movies, I consider, like, the top-tier Marvel movies to be the Captain America. I'll even include the first Captain America in there. I love the first Captain America. Uh, Captain America trilogy, Doctor Strange, and the first Iron Man right up there. And probably the first Avengers. I might even consider the Incredible Hulk slightly higher than Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'd put Guardians of the Galaxy around the middle for me. Uh, it was very entertaining. I didn't really ever walk away from saying, I can't wait to watch that again. Uh, this one, I expected to come into it, like all the reviews have said, liking it exactly the same. I think I might be one of the first people who will say I liked this a little bit, maybe even a lot a bit big better than the first one. Um, I think you're crazy. Well, okay, I might be. Uh, but I'll, I'll, as we go through this, I'll, I'll give a little bit more detail. There are parts of this where I was like, wow, this is not working for me. There's just a moment about halfway into the movie where it suddenly goes from being this is okay to being this is great. And I think the great stuff that comes in the second half of the movie more than makes up for some of the duller moments in the beginning half. Because I will and agree one, with you. once you actually understand it, too. Yeah, you, it does take a bit <laughs> to understand. Like, we, we always like to say these are spoiler-free reviews. Uh, I'm going to kind of explain what we're going to consider spoilers or not. If Marvel has come out and said certain things in promotion of this movie, like, for example, 
Kurt Russell is playing Star-Lord's dad in this. That's not a spoiler. Marvel's already said it. The actors have announced it. They've appeared on talk shows saying, you know, Kurt Russell's playing my dad, you know, Chris Pratt. Kurt Russell has appeared on talk shows. I'm playing, you know, Chris Pratt's dad. That's not a spoiler. Uh, it's going to be really hard to cover the, uh, much of this movie without talking about spoilers because it has a very complicated plot. And not so complicated where you think you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie, uh, but it, there is a lot going on that, you know, you, if you are watching with somebody, be prepared to have whoever's a little bit more knowledgeable be like, oh yeah, these guys kind of are this, and this is what happened earlier, and remember that moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you really have to remember, because there's a lot of foreshadowing in it, I yeah. found that too. But you know what, though? I'm 100% opposite with you, because actually, for me, I, I usually like a lot of the DC movies better, and the Marvel ones, I find most of the time, don't do anything for me. Like, Iron Man actually probably would be way at the bottom. I do not like it at all. Um, and, uh, even Spider-Man. I know that you like Tobey Maguire, but I never got it. Oh, well, and we, we're, we're going to be covering Spider-Man very soon. I know, but. and even with Andrew Garfield, it's like, okay, it's a little bit better, but no one has ever done the cartoon justice for me. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> See, this is, when, we, when we come into this and episode... And I wish... You know what I wish? I wish they did, like, Smallville for, for Spider-Man. Yeah. That's what I well, wish. Well, that was... Um, done uh it was no, it called wasn't. the amazing spider-man um, no like a tv show okay oh i get where you're coming from there but yes uh, we started this episode with you saying i'm gonna put aside my prejudices and start watching adult stuff that is not a cartoon and now you're basically saying i don't like spider-man because it doesn't compare to the they need, cartoon they need to get someone like tom welling but not tom <laughs> welling because he's too old okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh we're back on man candy here uh, let's quickly cover a few things here um the story we already said we can't talk much about the story with this and it's not that it's such a top secret story when you see the movie you're gonna be like yeah that makes sense it's not one of these things where you're like oh i can't tell anybody what happens mm. you just you don't know how to explain it to people because there's a lot of really complex groups i mean we got a little bit about the ravagers the first time around um you know which uh star lord really came out of there's a lot more with them in this one uh but you get more of like the hierarchy with them and not to mention like different characters and different branches of this and uh, a major character. Uh, this isn't so much a, a spoiler, but we'll just say there is a major character, uh, probably for a future movie, this is all speculation that is introduced in this, uh, a major actor that has ties to uh, the, the Ravagers. And you'll know, notice when they come in, there's a lot of cameos in this movie. We'll get to that closer on the end. Uh, but yeah, there's not much we can really talk about with the story. Uh, what we can talk about is the characters. You mentioned Drax right away. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite character out of this one. And I remember when I saw the first movie and my nephews who are huge Marvel fans, uh, huge comic book fans, period. I got them into all these movies and they were asking about Guardians of the Galaxy. They're like, who is your favorite character? And I'm like, I kind of like, I mean, I, I would say Star-Lord just because I love Chris Pratt. Uh, but... I was telling him, as far as the character goes, I'm kind of even with all of them. Like, I love Star-Lord. I love Gamora. I love uh, Rocket. I love Groot. And I would say, I like Drax, but the problem I had in the first movie is, I know Batista, Dave Batista, whatever you want to call him, Dave Bautista, um, he got a lot of praise for Drax in the first one. And I just uh, understand that some of it's deserved because humor-wise, he was hilarious. And he delivered some one-liners in ways you wouldn't expect people to deliver. But anytime he wasn't saying something funny in the first movie, I just found his acting to be so bad. This time around, he has some good dramatic scenes that he carries it well. 
he's learned a lot from his one movie in between these, Spectre, in which he didn't utter, I think he uttered a single word the entire movie. <laughs> Somehow that gave him a little bit of acting chops. Uh, but humor-wise, I mean, he is the humor of this movie, and it's different from what we saw the first time. If you saw the trailer, you get, you know, he's he's basically laughing. He's a very funny character this time around. He was humorless. That was the whole point of him in the first one. Mm -hmm. I'm completely with you. I think he steals this entire movie. And mm -hmm. it's crazy when you have a cast like this that it is Dave Batista who steals the show. Um, aside from Batista, any other ones that stood out for you? Um, I think that with, uh, with Groot now being this tiny little tree and... Um, just the things that he has to go through uh, with Rocket, I, I found that they were really good. Um, I, they're also my favorite characters, though, but with Star-Lord, with the whole movie plot, which, of course, we can't give away, um, I found that he was great, too, in the story. But well, but definitely, though, um, Drax was the best, for well, sure. What we can say with Star-Lord, I mean, every character kind of has their own story arc in this. This is different from the first movie, in that I don't feel it's driven by a big plot as much. Um, I didn't feel the first one really had much of a plot in the first place. But you got to admit, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, and maybe part of the reason why you're not typically as crazy about these movies is that it is a little bit of dumb humor. And you usually, no, do, you usually I, do like more thought out complex stories. Well, no, I, yeah, especially when you are dealing with comic movies, I mm -hmm. agree. But with the first one, I just felt the story was completely lacking. It was all just one of the many setups for the Infinity War that's coming. It was and lacking. To... It was lacking of shirtless scenes. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Batista is shirtless for the entire movie. I don't know if Not my that. type. Yeah, anyways. Too, too beefy. Yeah, when Gamora has the shirtless scene, then it'll catch more of my attention. Um, <laughs> well, she's pretty hot too, but... Okay. But what I mean this time around is that they didn't need the story as much. Uh, it's focused on... The, the story arcs, and it's all stuff you can expect. Like you said, we can't talk much about Star-Lord, but in a way we can because everybody knows that it is about him meeting his dad. Kurt Russell plays his dad in this. And that's basically his story arc. Is, well, how does he deal with meeting the guy who abandoned him and his mom? And you know what new things do we learn about why he was abandoned and all that? That's very interesting, and we didn't have anything that interesting the first time around. Uh, as far as the other characters go... Uh, Gamora has her story arc, which is basically a continuation of the first one. You know, her and her adopted sister, whatever, Nebula, their feud, uh, which, of course, is going to be tied to Thanos that we'll probably see in the future movie still. Uh, that's just continuing what we saw in the first one. And, um, you know, with Rocket and Groot, they don't really have a story arc. But like you said, they're by far the best team in this. One thing I found interesting is that this is where the movie kind of lost me about halfway through because I liked Guardians of the Galaxy when they became a team. And it's not really a spoiler to say that they spend a lot of this movie apart. and Separated, yeah. Yeah, but it, in a way, I think what hurt it a bit for me was that we just recently saw Star Trek Beyond. And I found a lot of similarities to Star Trek Beyond. I mean, uh, they end up uh, stranded on a planet at one point. Everybody's separated. They all kind of have their own storyline. They all eventually come together again. It just felt very much like Star Trek Beyond to me. Uh, probably the only similarities these movies have is just the way that the story's structured and the way the characters are. Aliens. And aliens, yeah. <laughs> uh, and when they do eventually come together, yeah, that's the stuff I like. And that's how the movie starts. So I was getting a little bit impatient in the middle when they were split up so much. Uh, but 
they pair them up in an interesting way. Like you said, you, you know, Rocket and Groot are together the whole time. Uh, you get this new character, which we'll get into the new character in a second, but Drax basically gets paired up with Mantis for the entire film. And Mantis is a character that is one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy is the comic that every even comic fan was like, what is Guardians of the Galaxy when the movie came out? Nobody really knew what it was. Uh, it's very, uh, I guess you could say, like the... the uh, C category. Uh, you have your A's, which are like the Captain Americas, the Hulks. You have your B's, which are the Doctor Stranges. And you have your C's, which are Guardians of the Galaxy and things that are very obscure. But most people don't realize that like, Guardians of the Galaxy goes back to the 60s. And we're really only watching an adaptation of the modern one that started in 2008. But that modern one in 2008 had a much larger team. They kind of pared it down to Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Groot for the movie. And now they're slowly starting to bring these other characters in. One of them is Mantis that's in the comics. Uh, how did you like Mantis in this one? We see her a lot in the trailer. Uh, and all I can really say is, I mean, what you see in the trailer is what you get in this. But she has a great dynamic with Drax, I felt. Uh, every scene they have together is hilarious. Yeah, I felt like they interacted really well together. Um, she's a really interesting character. Uh, I, I like her powers that she has and that's something obviously that you'll have to see in the movie for what she can do um but uh, i found it really interesting um because obviously you know sometimes you see these uh these actors with so much makeup on and things like that you can't see what they look like and um oh. i i thought for sure looking at this actress that she um she would be Asian of, of some kind, just, you know, with the way that the cheekbones were positioned, the way that they made the eyes look. And I know, obviously, that, you know, Asian people don't have black eyes like that. But you know what I mean? Like, it just, they, mm -hmm. you could tell that there's Asian influence in that character. And then, uh, you know, looking at what she actually looks like online, it's just this, <laughs> uh, this lady that looks completely like uh, the opposite of what you expect. So it's really interesting that way. But, um... I uh, I thought she did a really good job. Um, I thought that um, it, it was really interesting for her to be a new character. Um, and she has a, a big part in the movie. I don't think it would be the same without her. Um, the actress, if anybody wants to Google it, uh, her name is Palm Clementif. Uh, she's French. I, I believe she is part Asian, but... Yeah, look at her outside of this, and you're like, wow, that's like a complete transformation. Like, I'm pulling up the picture right now. You would never guess that she ends up being Mantis. Uh, I found her character kind of annoying in the trailers. Uh, and I found her kind of annoying in the early scenes in this movie. But it is when she plays opposite Drax that I think it works. And yeah. I think they need to keep these characters together in future ones. Uh, this isn't spoiling too much but there's a scene of course there's the scene in the trailer that everybody saw where she's reading the minds and she reads you know it's like star lord it's like uh you know you uh uh are aroused by her or whatever it was you, you feel love for this woman sexual yeah love. exactly yeah yeah which is a hilarious scene i think one of the worries i had you know just a bit of a side note here was that we saw such large scenes in the trailers where they played out for you know 10 15 seconds i thought well that's all there's going to be to it. These scenes have a lot more to it. Uh, there's another scene in the movie, and this doesn't give away any major plot, but it basically revolves around Drax telling her she's ugly. And it's just one of the most hilarious scenes ever because the way that these characters interact, the entire purpose is that neither of them really communicate 
like humans communicate. Neither of them really understand human communication. Yeah. Uh, when she's with Drax, I think she totally works in the movie. I don't know if the movie absolutely needed her. I understand the whole purpose is to eventually bring in all these other characters that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy started with in 2008, the the modern version. Well, didn't you say, that you? I think you told me before that that's kind of what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. They're always just bringing in all these different characters. Yeah, well, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, even back in the 60s, it was, it was just another one of the teams. It's yeah. kind of like the Avengers. People are yeah. like, well, the Avengers is supposed to be you know, Captain America, the Hulk, or whatever. It's like, there have been dozens of people in the Avengers over the years. You know, all these different X-Men groups. Uh, but with specifically Guardians of the Galaxy, there are characters, major characters, that the group started with. And, you know, Star-Lord was just one of them. Uh, Gamora was just one of them. Uh, there is another one that uh, th this uh, will leave kind of as a tease. It's been very well publicized, the amount of post-credit scenes there are, or I guess during credit scenes you can consider it in this one. Uh, there's tons of them. And one of the credit scenes will set up another character that we're probably going to see. At least that was the way I interpreted it. A character that we're probably going to see in the next one. So, yeah, they're slowly expanding on this group. Um, Ooh, juicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess she was the other new character. Do we want to talk about the additions to the team or do we want to talk about the new... let's talk about the other new character first which is kurt russell uh we're not going to mention his name here in case people want to google it they have made changes from what's in the comics of star lord's dad uh the character that he ends up playing um we can't really talk about it at all. all we can really talk about is that he is star lord's dad and you do see him for a good chunk of the movie just as kurt russell acting as star lord's dad and you see a lot where you know um Peter Quill would get uh, his mannerisms from and his personality, his well, wardrobe even. And I think I think that he he, he uh, did a really great job acting. I think that uh, what he's I, Kurt Russell. Of course well, he did. Well, I know, but uh, okay, this is funny. But or I, is he Kurt Russell? I, Why I, don't you tell us what you <laughs> said multiple times before and after the movie? I'm sometimes bad with recognizing certain people just because if if certain people I feel look similar, then I'll I'll mix them up a lot and. He looks a, a lot like, um, I think so anyways, a lot like that guy that, that uh, was in Tron. Yeah, Jeff Bridges is what you're thinking. Yeah, okay. I don't see any physical resemblance between them. So I kept thinking, is this the guy from Tron? You know, like, where, where's his where's his yoga clothes and stuff like that? You know? <laughs> like, what's going on? Well, okay. Uh, where, where's the light cycles? <laughs> in a way, you can understand it because... Uh, they both have long gray hair and, yeah, they, like, they old, have, they're old. I guess... <laughs> I mean, like, Honestly, it's it's not like, you know, I'm like, what is that other guy who's, like, old with long hair, like Kenny Rogers? No, like <laughs> Kenny Rogers? <laughs> who was, by the way, the alternate choice to play Peter Quill's father in Guardians of the Galaxy. They said, we want Jeff Bridges. He said no. They said, let's get Kurt Russell. He said yes. So, like, great. Because if you had said no, Kenny Rogers was next. Or or there's somebody with a, with a W name, Willie? Willie something? Willie Nelson? Are you just... Like, are you come, trying to come up with every country singer on the planet? Is this what Kurt Russell is ultimately I'm playing, thinking, Willie Nelson? I'm thinking of a dudes with long gray old hair. <laughs> old hair, okay. <laughs> on a scale of, I know we don't see it in this movie. We don't get, like, you know, uh, Star-Lord scene. But on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you think, uh, or let's say a scale of disgusting to Patrick Stewart, where do you think Kurt Russell's old man gray chest hairs would rank? 
I don't know. Like, I mean, he's nice. He's not disgusting, but he's not. <laughs> he, he's not somebody that I would take like a second look at. But if if I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the guy's, you know, he's rich. It wasn't okay. <laughs> Strange enough, that wasn't a serious question. Uh, we could just move on. Um, in a way, I can understand how you'd confuse it for Jeff Bridges in Tron, at least, because they're basically doing with Kurt Russell here what they did with him in Tron. You have him playing the old version of himself, like. Um, we saw with uh, uh, I forget his name now <laughs> the, the the better one Jeff Bridges you know it's Jeff a problem Bridges. when you're not yeah. remembering something and I am I know yeah Jeff Bridges so when we see Jeff Bridges in Tron we have him as the old version of himself but they also you know uh, used effects to make him and motion capture to make a young version of him uh, the way he would have looked like in 1989 and that's basically what we see in the flashback scenes here with Kurt Russell uh, when it is showing him with uh, Quill's mother. Is they're using the exact same type of technology to make him look like a young version of Kurt Russell. So yeah, cool technology, uh, similar to what they did to Tron. Uh, we definitely see him more as old and gray and Willie Nelson-esque in this. <laughs> yeah, uh, gotta love that uh, those old mullets. Yeah, you gotta, mullets. you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the philosophy he passed down to his son in this. Um, anyways, Kurt Russell I thought was fantastic. I wasn't really sure what to think about it because... The first movie was almost, I feel, cluttered with really respected, famous actors that had about six lines each. You know, Jaiman Hunsu, uh, Glenn Close, John C. Riley. They they really had nothing to do in it. Benicio del Toro had okay, next to nothing okay, to do. Okay, but the you know one. what? Some movies are like that though and can still be fun. Like what's that? What's that Stallone movie that you like with all those action guys in it? The Expendables. Yeah. Okay. And like, it's it's like littered. It it's 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 littered with them. It's littered with old. Old gray chest hair, uh, Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers but you, type. You just you appreciate it for what it what it is. Wasn't Arnie in one of those? I love he was Arnie. In all of them. Yeah, I love Arnie. Yeah, and We're, see see that. You know guy, we're here talking that, about Guardians of the Galaxy and not the Expendables, that, right? That guy's like top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to Kurt Russell here. <laughs> he was good, wasn't he? <laughs> he was really good. Yeah, I know. I he need gets. To... What I'm saying is, he has more to do in this than I expected because the first one. They used a lot of these big name actors uh, in very small roles. In this one, we get the same. You mentioned Sylvester Sloan. We get yeah. Sylvester Sloan in this movie. He has a role that I feel like is, he has a couple of scenes, uh, big scenes, but it is more of a setup. With Kurt Russell, he is one of the biggest characters, performances, and has the most amount of screen time in this entire movie. And he has some scenes that really blew me away. I mean, dramatically, I didn't feel like the first movie had a lot for drama, had great comedy, some decent action, really good drama in this. And even uh, some of the stuff with, with Star-Lord in him, I mean, Chris Pratt has some really heavy dramatic scenes. So yeah. I thought Kurt Russell came close to stealing the show from Dave Bautista. Well, and I, I have to say on, because uh, you asked me about Kurt Russell, the only one thing that I'll say is specifically when you're watching the movie and they are getting into, um, you know, why did he leave Earth or, you know, why did he abandon them or did he abandon them? You know, when they're getting into all the details of that and he actually tells the truth and you, you really find out what's going on and everything, uh, it's pretty shocking and that was a great twist in the movie. 
Yeah, I totally thought when you said one more thing on Kurt Russell, you were going to say something like, you know, I loved him in I've Hell never, or High Water. I've never seen or, him with the shirt off. So. Well, no, I thought you were going to mention a Jeff Bridges role and be like, he was awesome in the 1976 King Kong. He was great in the River Kwai. <laughs> River Kwai? Yeah. 1950s Jeff Bridges is older than we thought. Kurt Russell is older than we thought. Um, okay. So, yeah, he's the other major new actor in this one. Uh, a new character. We have expanded roles. Again, if you've seen the trailer, you, you've seen that uh, this one, much bigger screen time and presence for both Yondu, who's played by uh, Michael Rooker, and then Nebula, who's played by our favorite actress from one of our favorite shows, Doctor Who, Karen Gillan, who was Amy Pond on Doctor Who. You kept saying, isn't that Amy? And, and <laughs> come along, Pond. <laughs> come along, Pond, which is one of our favorite phrases. Um, yeah, I mean, great actress from the first one who had smaller roles. This time, big expanded roles. Uh, did you like that they were used more in this one? To be honest with you, um, I'm not really going to give anything away. Uh, but with her and her sister, uh, I didn't really think that it contributed a whole lot to the movie. Um, I love Pond. So she doesn't get to use her real name. Nebula. She doesn't even get Nebula. Yeah. She's just always Amy Pond. I, I I like her, but I didn't see that it was really that important. Uh, I kind of agree with you because it is more of the same. Uh, from I, the I first did one. I did like the part about the necklace, though. If you listen to the movie. Yeah, I must have missed something that, to but... make the girls go ooh. Oh, oh okay. I think I remember what you wrote. Yeah, <laughs> but I like that one line. But come on. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There's Star Lord does not have as much action in this movie as he had in other ones. Drax has a couple of scenes, you know. Rocket and Groot have action. I'd say Rocket has the most action of those, but yeah, Gamora really is the action hero of this movie, and a lot of it is just her constantly fighting with Nebula. They have massive fight scenes. I liked it for that. I didn't feel like we got anything new right. by having Nebula in this one. With yeah. Yondu, we definitely get a lot more this time. Oh around. yeah. Uh, and I thought that was surprising because he was the one where I was like, why bother bringing him back? And the main reason is I had to do research to realize this, but that Yondu is the only character in these movies that comes from the 60s Guardians of the Galaxy, the original one. Hmm. Um, and his character is very different from what it's supposed to be. But uh, yeah, they, they give him a much bigger role this time around. And uh, I thought that he, I would have rather they had maybe a small cameo from Nebula and then eventually we get more of her, let's say in a third one. Uh, but Yondu definitely added a lot to this. Um, yeah, I just felt like it kind of took the focus off the movie. With, what, what, with what, Yondu or with Nebula? With Nebula. What, what did you mm. think about the music, though, in the movie? Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, well, let's just get to it now, since you brought it up. <laughs> let's speed this thing along. This is my way of saying this. Uh, yeah, I guess music-wise, the first one, the soundtrack, was huge. Yeah. Uh, the movie became popular for the music in it and, and the use of music. It's basically what they did with Forrest Gump. They said, let's market a soundtrack with all classic music. You know, a lot of stuff you haven't heard from a long time. I kind of think I have the same opinion that everybody else out there seems to have, which is that it doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't feel as natural in this one. I know they work it into the movie where these songs are playing on a Walkman or on speakers. Uh, and that they're all relevant and that they are the mixtape or the second mixtape that uh, uh, Star-Lord gets. But 
it just didn't feel as natural. The songs didn't seem to fit as well as some of the ones in the original. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think any of the songs were necessarily as catchy. They, they, as fun. That's yeah. the word that I would use, yeah. I mean, the one that works the best in the movie is probably Fleetwood Mac's The Chain, which is in the trailer, which is a great song, but it's not, like, a peppy song, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there was one song that's used in the credits, which is Cheap Trick, Surrender. I would have loved to have seen that in maybe the opening scene. Uh, but I mean, I give credit to James Gunn. The way that he works the soundtrack is that he will pick the songs while he's writing the script and he actually used it on set. So the actors knew what songs were playing and were hearing it sometimes when they perform the scenes. Uh, your opinion on the soundtrack compared to the first one? Um, I think it's pretty similar to what you were saying. Um, there is a, a lot more songs that I would say I was... Uh, more familiar with in the first movie um, just from them being overplayed throughout the years and stuff like that but they're great you know there's certain songs that you just listen to and they never get old um, in this one it had good music too but I found that it was lacking um, the, f the fun in that music that part um, and uh, yeah just stuff that uh, you know I've heard before but it, like you said just not catchy yeah, well, no, I think it's good. And the funny thing is, in some ways, I feel like it's a more balanced soundtrack. But before I even saw the movie, when they released the the play or the track list for this, you know, I kind of went on YouTube just listening, oh, do I know this song? Do I know this song? And there are a lot of songs that you're very familiar with. Um, but I will say there's at least one that I heard when I was listening to it on YouTube, and like, what is this song? And I'm like, wow, this song's terrible. Uh, that in the movie, I felt worked way better than I thought it would and that's uh, we can't really say much about it without giving away but I'd say it's pretty much the last song played in the movie um, it's a softer song if you remember there's big fireworks going off and everything uh, you know what I'm talking about right I kind of have a memory like Dory so no I don't <laughs> okay so the song is Cat Stevens song uh, I think it's called Father and Son and when I heard it, I'm like, wow, this song is so dull, so boring. And obviously they're just including it here because it's called Father and Son. And part of the theme of this movie is like the father-son relationship. The song works so well in that scene. It really surprised me. Uh, the famous Cat Stevens, otherwise known as Yusuf Islam. Um, ben will, Noah will get that joke. Ben will get that joke. But Yusuf Islam, Father and Son, worked way better in the movie than I thought it would. Uh, I actually, overall, I wouldn't really say I, I would bother you know getting this soundtrack as opposed to the first one but i think a lot of the music does work well in the movie uh the score on the other hand uh same opinion as the first movie i mean the marvel scores their composers just i'm not knocking the composers just the music is so generic and so uninteresting i really just want like a big superhero score the way that John Williams did for Superman the movie or Danny Elfman did for Batman. Um, even, uh, I think, the, the one that came the closest was probably the first Captain America movie, but just we haven't had, like, really good superhero themes. And I didn't feel like this one really did anything at all for that. Yeah, I thought so, too. I, I, I thought that the, um, the score was pretty much the same. Um, like you said, just nothing that really stood out. I mean, it was good. It was entertaining, but it definitely wasn't as good as the first one. Uh, what else do we have to talk about here? We've covered the music, the new characters, old characters. Okay, um, okay. I have a question for you. All right. Am I ranking the... <laughs> You're going to rank something, all am right. Am I ranking the man candy of Chris Pratt versus... 
Kenny Rogers versus Jeff Bridges versus Kurt Russell. Is there, is there something you want to tell me? <laughs> okay, so we can go action sequence here. We can go dialogue scene, uh, anything, as long as we're avoiding major moments. Did you have a favorite scene of the movie, something that really stood out? Or, or even more than one, if you had more than one. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I like dumb humor. I enjoy that. So uh, I think uh, just different funny scenes that they had in the movie. Um, like I was saying earlier, I was referencing uh, with Nebula when she was getting paid off for something in the movie, and you'll have to wait to see that. Um, the the guy said, you know, we'll transfer you the money, blah, 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 blah. What are you going to buy yourself? And then she talks about revenge. And uh, it's really awkward. This is long drawn out scene talking about how she's going to get this revenge. And then he's like, uh, I was talking about, you know, something like a pretty necklace, you know, a dangly thing, something to make the other girls go. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I just found it so funny. Yeah. I barely remember that again. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I would say, and some of it we have seen, it's kind of bits and pieces we saw in the trailer. Uh, there's one scene which um, is in the trailer where Baby Groot is doing the whole you know button pushing thing, and Rock is trying to show him this detonator. This is how it works, and he's always going for the wrong button. Uh, that scene is hilarious, and just like the other one earlier with the uh, the mantis and uh, outing Peter Quill's uh, sexual desires. <laughs> there's more to it than that because there's a moment afterwards where as they're going on about this detonator, Star-Lord appears in the background and uh, is basically asking for uh, batteries. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of these really funny kind of um, uncomfortable moments. It's just, it's written really well, the humor in this, where it's it's not the way you expect the jokes to, to fall. Uh, the climax is incredible in this compared to the first one, which one of the problems I had in the first one was I felt the climax was just, you know, it was just this big battle, and then you had them all holding the stone. It wasn't anything exciting for me. The climax mm -hmm. in this, I think, is incredible, uh, which really comes from how much better the story is this time around. But uh, on top of that, also, the opening sequence is just amazing. Well, it just jumps right into action. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's a clip that's, uh, I think this is what they've been releasing on the, all the talk shows and everything where there's a big battle going on and Drax mm. eventually wants to jump inside the stomach of a creature. To... Baby Groot's just dancing. Yeah, and uh, we will, I guess the last thing we'll talk about is Baby Groot uh, before we move on um, to after this. But uh, yeah, that sequence, it, it kind of bridges into the opening credits and the opening credits themselves are clever. Just it's kind of following baby Groot through a massive action sequence and a lot of little clever things like that that I thought uh, were improvement over the first one. Uh, we didn't talk about Groot this time around. We talked about, you know, your opinion, Drax is better this time around. Uh, let's go through the other main characters. Gamora, better this time? Not as good? Um, like I said, it, with her and Nebula, I found that didn't really contribute a whole lot. Um, so for that part of it, not really. Um, I feel like she was probably more utilized better in the first movie. I feel like as a character, utilized better because she had more to do. This is almost like if anybody And it made has, more sense. Well, if everybody has seen Star Trek Beyond, maybe, you know, you'll understand what I'm referencing about just 
when you have a team split up and everybody has their own individual things, they're not necessarily all great stories. Mm -hmm. uh, the storyline with Nebula is great, but it, it does feel like it's going to be redundant at this point. Are we just going to get the same thing over and over again? There's nice moments in there. Uh, what I will say is, on an action level, Gamora really delivers this time around. As I said, she is, I think, the action star of this movie. Um, Star-Lord, better, not as interesting this time? Um... Uh, to answer that question, it's going to kind of be two parts. Um, no, is I, it going to be shirtless or shirt on? Well, no. I mean, if, <laughs> if I had the option, I would obviously always pick shirt off. But, um, no, uh, I think I just need to say for him that because of the way that the story goes and how it evolves into the second part of the movie... Um, it becomes much more amazing to watch and it's a great and the first half it is a tad bit boring so the thing is is I will say that he was better in this movie in the second half but as far as the first half goes definitely the first movie better um, I kind of have a different opinion I feel like the second half of this movie is so dramatic for him that we don't get a lot of the fun Star-Lord. There's definitely not that as much. That is true. I did yeah. say there's not as much Star-Lord action in this one. When there is Star-Lord action, in a way, you you enjoy it more because you're like, oh, he's you know got the mask on and he's shooting his guns. But you don't have as much of that. Uh, I'm giving Chris Pratt you know, total props for his performance in this in the second half of the movie. But yeah, the first half, I feel like we get some of the fun Star-Lord. Um, so what did you think of uh, another favorite character, Taserface? Taser, can we even get it? I don't know how much we can talk about Taser Face. There, you want to talk about a great scene. Uh, when the Taser Face scene comes up, people, well, well, you will what know was what his other is. name? Scrotum Hat, yeah, or Scrotum the, Head. Well, yeah, we don't want to go too much into details, but yeah, people will know when the Taser Face scene comes up. That's another classic scene. There's a lot of really memorable scenes in this that I feel like, uh, the more I think about it, the first one for me at least, didn't have as many. And I watched the first one recently for like the second or third time. But yeah, so I, I really enjoy a lot of these minor characters they had this time around too, whereas the first time I didn't really love a lot of the minor characters. Uh, Rocket, um, I don't feel he's better than this one, except for the fact that we do get him involved in more action than we had the first time. Groot is the one I want to talk about right before we kind of wrap this up. Mm -hmm. Because Groot... I think the original idea was that he was supposed to be full grown again by this movie. And because of the response to the baby Groot that they had at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, uh, and obviously the merchandise is sold of baby Groot plants and stuff like that, that they wanted to include him as a baby at this time around. And I think it's a very clever idea. Well, they wanted to capitalize on it and make money. Why yeah. not? Uh, it's a very clever idea. It uh, amounts for some hilarious scenes, but I don't feel like it's necessarily the same as like the adult Groot. And I personally feel like I like the big massive Groot, you know, with a machine gun better than I like a baby Groot, but it is still fun. So if we're going to be looking at this as a trilogy one day, I will probably be, you know, on the side where I'll say, I'm glad we at least got one movie with a baby Groot. And I disagree with you. I actually liked him way more as a baby. I thought it was adorable. I thought it was cute how he kind of screwed everything up and was just clumsy because all of those things kind of remind me of myself a little bit and I'm adorable. <laughs> and I screw things up and I'm so clumsy and I'm always hurting myself or doing the wrong thing, pressing the wrong button. I'm I'm lucky to still be alive. I don't know how I'm still here. but um, Because I am your rocket. I am your one that keeps you alive. <laughs> yeah, but you're not a raccoon. I'm not. I am obnoxious, but I'm not a raccoon. Yeah. Um, I want to say one more thing on Baby Groot. 
I came out of this movie thinking Vin Diesel had the easiest paycheck ever. People talk about how the first time around was the easiest paycheck in movie history because he said one line, you know, I don't know, 30 different times. But you have to imagine, it's a lot of, well, how do you say it this way? And the other thing is that he translated this the first time around, I read, in six languages. This time around, Vin Diesel translated however many I Am Groot lines he had, 16 separate languages. So, I mean, the guy is working for his money. I, I don't think I'm necessarily going to say he's working for his money. Vin Diesel will do the least amount of work imaginable for the biggest possible paycheck. And I love that about the guy. But I think they're making him work for his money. <laughs> Marvel is making him work for his money. Uh, and I think he does bring a lot in the personality, even with his voice in this, uh, even though his voice is obviously altered. But yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say we're probably going to get a different Groot in every single movie. And that's kind of the whole idea with this. And I'm okay with that. That's why I said once this trilogy is complete or however many Avengers appearances they have are complete, I'm pretty sure I'll look back on this and say I'm glad we at least got the one. Uh, which leads us to, you kind of uh, mentioned this earlier, where does the series go now? Uh, a third part, we can't really talk much about a third part without talking about this, but the third mm -hmm. part is happening. Are there any things that, without going into spoilers, you would say you want to see in a third part? Um, more shirtless scenes. <laughs> Other than shirtless scenes... No, but I think I think it'd be really cool if they did more uh, background on characters so that we can get to know them a little bit more. I know that they did that more in the first one than this. Uh, you'd probably agree with me yeah. with that, but um, that would be cool. Uh, I'm gonna say, you know, introducing some of these other characters, but don't let it overwhelm the movie. If this just becomes X Men: The Last Stand, where you know you went from the first X Men of a team of six mutants fighting and then you get to x-men last time uh last stand and it's a team of 60 mutants fighting then that's gonna be too much so i think bring in one more character in the next one you know maybe two have them have minor roles i think they really struck on something with the five actors they have in this and then the five characters that i want them to make that consistent but bring in more of these other characters and we can say that by the end of this movie this is a very contained story the first one was doing a lot to set up Thanos and set up stuff we were eventually going to see in the Infinity War um, with the Infinity Stones and everything. But at the same time, it was its own thing. And I think that's one of the appeals of Guardians of the Galaxy as opposed to the other Marvel movies where Captain America is almost a supporting character in the final part of the Captain America trilogy. With Guardians of the Galaxy, they are their own story. It doesn't have a lot of connections to the other movies. This one, I say even less. And maybe by the time Infinity War comes out, we're going to be like, oh, look at all the things they set up. But I feel like this was its own story, even more so than the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but you can expect by the end of this, especially if you stay through all the post credit scenes, that there will be several things you're like, okay, I know where they're going with this. I know where they're going with this. Not to mention, we did say it earlier, watch for the cameos. I don't even think it was at during the post credit scenes. During one of the last scenes of the movie, you see a couple of back-to-back -back cameos of major actors, kind of like the first time we had Glenn Close, Jaiman Hunsu, John C. Riley. that you're gonna get several big name actors where you're like, wow, I guess they're going to be appearing in a future movie, and that was kind of exciting too. Wasn't Glenn Close the person who played uh, Corella de Vil in Dalmatians? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. now I remember. So, Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't the first time that she uh, uh, cheapened <laughs> <laughs> for a paycheck. I uh, just, I thought that's who it was. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. And, and 
if people want to know how this ties into the other movies, you kind of have to watch and see it. But I feel like this is one that you definitely have to see the first Guardians of the Galaxy to get this. Uh, you don't have to see the other Marvel movies. It's not like Civil War where you know you're gonna be completely at a loss if you don't understand. It is really tied into the first, though. You're right. Yeah, and that is the other thing is that I would recommend because, as I said, I'm I like the first movie. I'm not a huge fan of it. If I had jumped into watching this the last time I saw the first was probably you know right after it came out on DVD or whatever. Um, if I jumped into this three years later, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, not really refreshing myself with the first one, I would be lost on even more, especially with the characters, since they are expanding on Nebula and Yondu, these characters that were minor supporting roles the first time. You, you really should watch the first one. Uh, any final uh, things we didn't cover yet, or are you ready to jump into the ranking or rating for this? I think I'm ready to jump in. Okay, then let's jump right into it. Is this a buy it, a rent it, or bin it? Buy it. So you're going to buy this one. Would you have bought the first one? I have the first one. I know. I bought it for you. I know. Because, <laughs> so you didn't buy it. Because, this is, because I wanted it. Okay. So this is a uh, strongly suggest that somebody gift it is what you're saying. Would you buy this? Or let's add a fourth category. Is this a buy it or is this a strongly suggest somebody gifts it to you like you did the last one? <sighs> You know, especially now that I have a kid, it's so hard to spend money on myself. So I'll probably go with somebody buy it for me. If you're listening to this, please buy it for me. Well, <laughs> And send the receipts so if too many people buy it for me, I can exchange it for buying something else cool. I love how you said, now that I have a kid, I have trouble buying myself uh, self stuff. Uh, we're recording this on Mother's Day weekend. I was shopping with you over the weekend. You have no trouble buying stuff for yourself. <laughs> well, I was trying to spend your money, but you forgot your wallet. I forgot so, my wallet. So, so I had to own. buy presents yeah. for myself. Happy Mother's Day. What do you want to buy yourself? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put this one again in the same category. I put the first one, which I think is a rented. Uh, and that's no knock against Ooh. it. There's, here's the thing. Boo. There are people out there. Coming from a girl who spent the first half of the movie saying, you know, I'm just not really into this. Um, but like everybody else has said, whatever reaction you had to the first movie, you're going to have to this one. Me saying rented is my own personal, thi personal thing. I would not go out of my way to buy this one. If it were in a discount bin, maybe um, I might own it one day. Discount just bin? Yeah. Who are you? I don't know. You're the one who in the Logan episode said... I would buy this movie, but I would only buy it on Boxing Day in a discount bin. So you tell me. But that's different. It's not different. Yeah, he wasn't hot in that movie. Because he was old and gray, like Patrick Stewart? No, they made him look like he had like a thousand diseases. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's... I don't want ask... someone with a thousand diseases. I want somebody that's clean. Okay, so um, that's why I'm here. Uh, the rest is all fantasy. Uh, we've talked about this before. Hugh Jackman's not a real person. Sorry. Uh, well, he is, but not in your world. <laughs> he's not a real person. But any... He's, he's completely CGI. In all of his do... movies that you see him, it's no not somebody getting paid. It's just CGI. He's actually a de-aged Kenny Rogers, is what I'm meaning to say. The same technology they use on Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges. This is Kenny Rogers playing Hugh Jackman. How are we and talking Willie about... Nelson is his brother. Yeah. <laughs> How are we talking about Willie Nelson and Sabretooth? Great. <laughs> Logan was like three months ago. Let's get with the times. Guardians of the Galaxy. As I said, there's people out there are going to jump on and say, Guardians of the Galaxy is the greatest movie ever. Well, to you it might be. To me, I way prefer Captain America. Uh, way prefer Doctor Strange. Way prefer the first Iron Man. I will give you this is better than Iron Man 2 and 3. But 
if if you love the first one, you're going to love this. If you thought the first one was pretty good, you'll think this is pretty good. If you hated the first one, don't bother to watch it. That's, I think, all I could really say about this. Would you agree? Always watch it. All right. Again, coming give from the girl it, who was like... Chance. Coming from the girl who was like, ah, I'm not really sure I felt about this one. I didn't like it as much as the first. Now, all of a sudden, you want to pick a fight. No, I liked it after I saw the second part of it. Hello. All right. Um, that's all we have for today. We are back covering new movies as decent new movies are coming out, and there's more to come. Uh, that wasn't a knock against bad movies that came out in the month, month of April, um, although Fate of the Furious came out in the month of April. You didn't hear us covering that. Uh, we do have did, movies. Did, did someone sun- destroy a parking garage with their fist again? Oh, cannot wait until we can trash a Fast and the Furious series. That was so ridiculous. Maybe we'll cover that while Ben's on his vacation. Oh, um, let me break my cast. Right. Flex your muscle to shatter the cast in your arm. This is not going to be covered with this. Every bad movie we're going to rank, except for what we're talking about. Um, lastly, I guess I'll just go into. There are more new movies coming out this summer. Lots of ones that we want to cover. Lots of ones we're excited about. But now we have a toddler, so we'll try to cover as much as we can. I love that you are so integrated into the show now that when I'm saying we, you're assuming I'm talking about you when I'm actually talking about the show itself. But I'm so cool. You're like, welcome to the Jamie Network here. (laughs) You want me in everything. Okay. Uh, Only when you're the only one who'll see a movie with me. Which brings us to, will we or won't we cover Alien Covenant this weekend? I guess it all depends on whether Nick or Ben or maybe Noah eventually shows up and says they watched Alien Covenant. Uh, Or if, as we go to bed tonight and finish watching Prometheus, Jamie determines that she can watch it and not have nightmares. It gave Um, me nightmares, the last one. Oh, so bad. That's coming out. Pirates of the Caribbean's coming out. The only one I know for sure that we will be talking about is Wonder Woman, because there's no way I'm missing that, and you are absolutely coming with me. Wonder Woman, we will bring you. The Mummy, we'll definitely bring you an episode on. Uh, The main one we want to talk about is Spider-Man Homecoming. That's coming out in, I guess, about a month and a half. Uh, You can expect not only that, but you can expect a lot of Spider-Man episodes to come starting very soon. We've already recorded several of them. We're going to go through all of the live-action Spider-Mans up until now, excluding the 1970s, and uh, not animated, live-action series, uh, and excluding the cartoons. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, We don't have the time to cover that. Planet of the Apes, so much great stuff coming out this summer. Uh, We'll hope to bring you as much of that as possible. Uh, Also, you can continue to listen to the Survivor New Zealand episodes that Nick is bringing us now. Um, Survivor US is continuing. Ben may or may not be coming to us live from the finale. If he doesn't come to us live from the finale, uh, then Ben, you failed at your life's dream. I'm sorry to say you're being replaced here on the Jamie Network. Uh, Nip Tuck episodes still coming out there. Uh, Third Watch episodes. One of these days I'll actually get around to watching either of those shows. For now, I'll let Ben continue with that. Uh, But that's it for Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, I am Colin, and you are... Jamie from the Jamie Network. (laughs) And join us next week on the Jamie Network. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.